The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Acts to the Root with Bojidar Marinov, where you get a Christian Reconstructionist perspective on the pressing issues of today. Welcome to episode 41 of Acts to the Root Podcast, part of the War Room Productions. I'm Bo Marinov, and for the next 20 minutes we will be talking about an issue that has become big in our days namely fake news. We'll be talking more just uh, than just about fake news, as you may have guessed, because, as I said in the very first episode of Acts to the Root, we want to look at every topic from the perspective of covenantal thinking, that is, make an ethical judicial analysis of every topic we're touching based on the Word of God and specifically on the law of God, because fake news means we will be touching issues of truth and falseness, and truth is never ethically neutral, it's never just some intellectual proposition or metaphysical statement. There is always some deeper ethical judicial reality behind everything we call truth. Contrary to what many believe, the phenomenon of fake news did not appear just recently. Neither did it appear with the internet, let alone with the social media. Fake news have always existed, especially in the 20th century, especially before the internet. Under communism, the media were always fake news, although... We will see they always reported the correct facts, and yet they were fake news. Media in the U.S. was a notch better in the 20th century because of the greater openness of the American society. But in general, the media had a hold on news, and there wasn't much accountability for fake news. I have in my possession a dozen journals from the 1930s from, through the 1950s called Time Capsule, each one a history of a specific year from the pages of Time magazine for the year. Since most of them concern World War II and the period right before it, a period whose history I know in exhaustive detail being a World War II history buff, it is interesting to me to see how the reported news at the time sometimes had very little to do with what actually happened from our knowledge 60 or 70 years later. Much of the reporting an analysis Time Magazine did at the time were rather very closely following the official government propaganda of the FDR administration. Uh, yes, the facts were correct. There was a wider coverage than, for example, in the news in the Soviet Union, but in general, the slant is obvious. Social media indeed made fake news even easier to spread, but ironically also made it easier to spot and refute. In general, the Internet helps more than it harms. It also made it possible to raise awareness of the existence of fake news. I know, I know, this awareness was recently popularized by politicians and media trying to smear their opponents. But now that the cat is out of the bag, no politician and no media can remain immune to scrutiny. For whatever motive they all decided to raise the issue of fake news, it is all turning on themselves now. Media on both ends of the spectrum are now thoroughly scrutinized and found guilty of fake news, whether they're Fox News and Breitbart or CNN and MSNBC. That, of course, in addition to websites that are straight committed to producing fake news for the purposes of political propaganda, like reports about mass gang rapes by Muslims in Europe, all of them actually false, not supported by any real data or statistics, or about impending coup d'etat by the military against Obama, or about ISIS members caught sneaking through the Mexican border, not a single one was ever spotted. Yes, most of these sites continue spreading rumors and false news, and some of the more respected do it too, but there are checks and balances now. 
much better than before. Still, there's much of it going around, and each one of us, once in a while, lowers their guard and allows some fake news to grab our attention and believe it. I have done it too myself, and then later I look at it and I think, what in the world have I been thinking? Such an obvious lie. I, I should have been able to recognize it as such on the spot, and yet I allow it to be tricked by it. There's something in us that goads us to automatically accept fake news as legitimate against our better judgment. In fact, it is this something in us that produces uh, an automatic reaction that is the very reason fake news exists and thrive, even in a time when everything can be directly checked and verified. Fake news exist and prosper because of us, not because of the skill of their creators. And when we approach fake news from the position of covenantal thinking, our question must be, what is it that makes us accept fake news? Y'all remember from our first episode that covenantal thinking is ethical judicial thinking. Our faith produces in a certain habit of judging between good and evil. We're supposed to judge between good and evil all the time. Uh, no, scratch that. We can't but always judge between good and evil all the time. No matter what we're engaged in, at any minute of the day, we're judging between two ethical choices. Some choices may not be fundamental and important, but only peripheral. Others may be, but at any minute we decide what to do with our time and resources, and this is only because we value one thing and we devalue another. And when we're mature, biblically oriented, our standard for judging, and even the topics on which we meditate and make choices, are biblical and based on the law of God and on His covenant of grace. But we're not always mature, and we're not always discerning and careful to judge between good and evil according to the word of God, and I will be the first to admit that I'm just as guilty of such lapses as anyone else, and most of the time our perceptions of reality are based on presuppositions different from what the word of God teaches us. Our focus is always on ourselves. We judge the world based on our own ego, and our verdicts must follow what our ego tells us. And when we do this... We're just eager and ready and willing to find some confirmation of our own prejudice. If I'm white and obsessed with my whiteness, I'll be eager to hear any kind of news, supposedly, that tell me how great the white race is and how the blacks are always lower in IQ and have greater crime rate, etc., etc., etc. Of course, it's not prejudice, it's statistics, it's science, right? If I'm black and I'm obsessed with my blackness, I will always tend to hear all kinds of news that prove that black is better. If I'm anti-immigration, I will always be eager to hear and accept any news that tell me why we should close our borders and why all Muslims are the same, rapists, low IQ, etc. Our presuppositions about the world will serve as the filter for the news we want to allow to reach our eyes and ears. Not just our intellectual presuppositions, but also our judicial presuppositions, those that help us decide between good and evil. And most of the time, as uh, we're not still sanctified, these judicial presuppositions have a simple form. I am good, everything related to me is good, and everyone different from me is bad. And fake news feed on this filter. It may be fake, but it fits our false system, so we accept it as valid. And indeed, every time you read some fake news, pay attention. It is often directed towards making some people feel good about themselves, especially against other categories of people. Or most of the time, it's directed towards making people afraid for themselves against other categories of people. 
But before fake news can be accepted, we have already accepted the value system that centers on ourselves against other categories of people. And this rotten foundation is the perfect soil for the fungus of fake news. This is what makes us accept even the most bizarre and outlandish stories that have no foundation whatsoever. Recently, I watched a video in which Paul Washer was approached by activists from AHA, Abolish Human Abortion. And watching the video, I was shocked what things Washer said he heard about AHA, that their activists were breaking into churches and tearing uh, the places completely down and vandalizing property, etc. Joel McDermott, in his article on American Vision website, ascribes it to false information, that is fake news, that someone gave Washer, which is correct, he was a victim of deliberate misinformation. However, Joel didn't cover the issue, what in the world made Washer even accept such rumor is probable. I mean, I have been told the same things, and yet it didn't even register. It was so absurd, I just laughed it off. Paul Washer in that video was, at the beginning, very seriously talking to these guys as if he was absolutely serious such an accusation was true. It was just bizarre. The real reason is, it must have resonated with some false presuppositions Paul Washer has about the world and about himself. And now, I know, I know you'll tell me he's a celebrity, I can't judge him, etc., 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 but and to his credit in the video, he did seem to change his mind, and he said he would read their literature, which is good. But no matter what you believe about him, and even with his change of mind, it is still true that initially something made him accept obvious lies for valid truth. Why? The logical answer is, like everyone else, Paul Washer has certain false presuppositions about the world. The fake news he was served just confirmed what he already believed, that he and his category of people are good and someone else, someone in a different category, was evil. And there, it immediately clicked, and Paul Washer was convinced that an obvious lie must be true. And it took 15 minutes of active persuasion for him to even begin with suspicion and reluctance to accept that he might be wrong. If a celebrity like Paul Washer can fall victim to his own false presuppositions, we know why fake news continue to thrive, even in a world of easy verification of all news. But, but, but this is not all. When it comes to fake news, we're used to think of it as incorrect presentation of the facts, or presenting non-facts, or false reporting of true facts. When we focus on the reporting of facts, we're thinking as Greeks, imagining that the essence of truth is in the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Just give us the real, material, objective facts. Truth, however, is not purely metaphysical, objective, impersonal facts. Now, yes, there is such objectivity in the universe, although it is not impersonal. All objectivity is in the mind of God, so it is all personal, as Van Til taught us. When we come down to the level of human beings, truth is not in the bare facts themselves, but in the ethical, judicial interpretation of the facts, in what the facts speak to our moral conscience, to, to social justice, uh, not socialist justice, but justice in the society, to the meaning and purpose of man and his institutions. We already know from Romans 1, 18 through 22, that both we and the unbelievers look at the same facts and see the same God in them. But the same real facts turn into truth for us and error for them. The difference is in our moral commitment, in our ethical judicial foundation, in our covenantal interpretation of the facts. The same facts are interpreted differently, without changing the facts themselves. And thus, the two parties come to diametrically opposed conclusions, one true and one false. 
It is all in our ethical commitment. Man is an ethical being, first and foremost. He is defined by his ethical commitment and choices. And take this, truth is defined by his ethical commitment and choices. Two men with two different ethical systems will come to two different conclusions from the same real facts. Now let me repeat this and then we will come to a rather surprising conclusion. Again, two men with two different ethical systems will come to different conclusions about truth from the same real facts. And then logically, the same real facts will produce true understanding in one man and false understanding in another. And now, hold on to your chairs. This corollary is very important to us. Fake news can be produced even by reporting real, objective facts, provided they meet a mind already committed to a false ideology or to a false interpretation of reality. In other words, if one wanted to produce a false perception in his listeners, he doesn't have to lie about the real facts. He need to, needs to influence their interpretation of them. Eugene Leon, an American writer and journalist who was born in Russia, but his parents emigrated to the U.S., wrote in 1967 a book titled Workers' Paradise Lost about the 50th anniversary of the communist revolution in Russia giving an account of the development of communism showing that the conditions of the Soviet worker haven't improved under the communist regime, but to the contrary. In it, he gives some interesting facts of his life in Soviet Russia as a correspondent of United Press International. He started his work there as an admirer of the Soviets and ended up completely disappointed with them. During the Great Depression in the U.S., Soviet propaganda gave detailed accounts of all the horrors of the Depression, very true, real accounts. Leon recalls that his Russian friends, despite the fact that he confirmed to them the reality of the Great Depression, didn't believe him that it was really happening. They thought it was some sort of a hoax. The reason? If their own Soviet media were reporting it in such details, it must not be true. That's what they believed. Leon was not able to convince them. In a more recent story, Yale Richmond, U.S. Foreign Service officer for 30 years during the Cold War, tells about Soviet diplomats and officials visiting the U.S. in the 1980s as part of an exchange program uh, during the Gorbachevian perestroika. When those Soviet officials were taken to see American supermarkets, they were astonished at the abundance and availability of food, and most of them didn't want to accept that this was anything more than a Potemkin village, something put up for the show just to impress them. One wanted his host to drive him to different places and let him pick which store he would visit to make sure it was all true. Another one, when their car got stuck in the traffic of Los Angeles, expressed the opinion that the American government just brought all these cars together to impress him as a propaganda stunt. Richmond also said that for some of these officials, the realization of the truth led to some serious psychological depression. In fact, Boris Yeltsin, when he visited Houston in 1989, also confided that he was close to depression and hopelessness about the Russian people. So shocked was he of what he saw of the difference in living standards. Now think about it. In the first case, back in the 1920s and 1930s, Soviet officials didn't believe a real story even when confirmed by an American, even though it served their own cause and their own personal and national pride in a way. 
In the second case, in the 1980s, Soviet officials didn't believe even what they saw in front of their own eyes, and when they had to accept it, it led to psychological issues. In both cases, a real story was distrusted because of pre-existing prejudice, an a priori ethical judicial interpretation of reality. In one case, it was an ethical judicial assessment of their own government. In the second, it was an ethical judicial assessment of the American government. Now, whether it was true or false is another matter. What, what is important that is, is that it was accepted a priori as the foundation for interpretation of reality. Reporting real events eventually led to fake news only because of the frames of interpretation. And it gets even more complicated. In our first example, where Soviet officials didn't trust Eugene Leon about the Great Depression, their ethical judicial frame of interpretation was actually true and correct. The Soviet government was indeed a government of liars and lies, and its media were not to be trusted. But when real news came from a source that was not trusted, the immediate conclusion of those who had the truthful frame of interpretation was that the news was false. You see that? Even the real reporting can sometimes create fake news and even if reflected through a somewhat correct ethical judicial frame. Understand the complexity of the problem now? I have explained the complexity of the problem even further in an article some time ago titled Ferguson, Capitalizing on the Stupidity of the Conservative Voter on BojidarMarinov.com. Now, I know, I know the title is rather provocative, but in short, Sometimes fake news can be created by a group in government by simply creating a conflict, playing both sides of the conflict and presenting different picture of the same events to both sides of the conflict, and all this while both sides have legitimate concerns. And this is only one of many ways fake news can present itself to us, not through a direct lie, but an indirect influence on our ethical system through which we evaluate all events. We have to understand, without uh, being conspiracy theorists, we still need to be prepared to make fake news uh, where we least expect it. Our presuppositions, especially in their ethical aspect, the aspect that determines good and evil for us, are always the product of our faith. That's why Christianity is a creedal faith. We have to know what we believe. We have to be able to profess it, credo, in order to be able to build our understanding of the world. Our ethical judicial system of thought must be self-consciously based on our self-conscious understanding of our faith and its presuppositions. We need to be able to respond to anyone who is asking us about our faith, 1 Peter 3.15, not just memorizing a creed or a catechism. We need to be able to know how the specific points in our creed translate to the specific circumstances in our society and our time in history. In order to have a solid ethical system, we need to develop, renew our minds, Romans 12.2. At every step, our professed faith must be professed only in ethical, judicial applications to the world outside our own heart and our church. A young friend of mine who is a Reformed Episcopalian pastor started online videos for catechizing his listeners. My advice was... Every lesson must speak practical justice and righteousness to something in the world outside. Catechism is important, but catechism without ethical judicial application will quickly translate into dead faith. Only when his listeners have their minds prepared to meet the ethical judicial challenges in the world outside the church, they will be capable of preserving and growing their faith. 
In a very real way, this is what modern governments do to the children who enroll in their government schools. On the surface, it seems like it is an ethically neutral system. In reality, it is a system of catechizing the children. They're not even catechizing them into formal intellectual propositions about a religion. They don't have to memorize anything. The catechizing leads directly to the ethical judicial applications. The goal is to grow the children into minds already conditioned to interpret all the news according to a certain system. The, uh, the goal is to uh, make them know and judge good and evil according to the morality of the government. In this way, the governments and their media don't have to twist the facts for their listeners. They can just present to them the real facts, and they will expect that the children will be like the unbelievers described in Romans 1, 18 through 22, seeing the real thing, but believing and committed to a false ideology. Fake news, folks, didn't start with Facebook. They started with your local government school. Communist propaganda thus didn't have to twist the facts. In reality, most of the time, they reported the correct facts about the West. Perhaps there was a slant here and there, underreporting some facts, overreporting others. News about the war in Afghanistan, for example, were generally true, even complete. Reports about the economic data of the West were true. Even some American movies and shows were allowed on TV every once in a while. I remember when my father and I uh, were watching the TV miniseries Rich Man, Poor Man with Nick Nolte and Peter Strauss. Watching most of the episodes, I couldn't see any, anything unusual until my father exclaimed, Look, even the poor man has, has his own car. Suddenly I realized how different the world of the movie was from our own world in Eastern Europe. But the communists were sure that most people wouldn't even notice the difference because most people's presuppositions had already been shaped to see only that in the movie, even in the real American movie, which suited the communist ideology. They could make fake news even from perfectly real facts. The solution to fake news, therefore, won't come from fact-checking websites. We can check all the facts in the world. We can verify every single figure and statement in time and quote. We can report websites. We can make software that excludes those sites. Fake news will always be a plague, however, if we do not address the real covenantal source of them, our own system of presuppositions, specifically our own system of ethics. If we have the wrong ethical commitment, if our ethics rotates around us and our group of people and automatically condemns other groups, whether on the basis of genetics or economics or place of birth or denominational background or professional or IQ status, we will inevitably create our own fake news even if all we are served is only real, solid, proven, direct facts. Fake news is an ethical judicial problem, not a problem of metaphysical reality. And the solution is ethical judicial. Justice and righteousness is the foundation of our whole being and thinking and action. The book I will assign for reading this week is Inside the Soviet Alternate Universe by, by Dick Combs. Combs was a diplomat at the U.S. Embassy in Bulgaria in the 1960s, and he had a very close perspective on the psychology of communism. I know it looks like I often return my readers to the experience of communism of the last century, but the reality is this experience is the closest to us today in a comprehensive example of the culture created by a pagan ideology. And please remember Bulgarian Reformation ministries in your prayers and giving. We have tried to remain faithful to the call for preaching a comprehensive gospel in Eastern Europe training our listeners to develop that maturity which will allow them to judge between good and evil in everything and thus lay the foundation for a Christian culture. 
visit BulgarianReformation.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and donate. And God bless you all. This was a Reconstructionist Radio War Room production. Acts to the Root with Bojidar Marinov. Please visit BojidarMarinov.com and ReconstructionistRadio.com forward slash Acts to the Root. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.